Hi, I'm Megan. I'm Colin, and this is Pet Sitter Sitter Confessional. Confessional. An open and honest discussion about life as a pet sitter. Brought to you by Timed Pet and Pet Perennials. The world of insurance is very murky and sometimes extremely hard to understand, especially when we're just getting into this and we have no idea what kind of coverage we could even be looking for as pet sitters. So today, we're really excited to have Colleen Giles-Harris, underwriter and manager of the Pet Sitters Associates Group Insurance. Now, PSA is a current sponsor of the show. However, the point of this episode is to talk in general about insurance, how to make sure we are well covered, and some of the common misconceptions that pet sitters fall into when they are looking for insurance. So grab your pen, paper, or favorite note-taking app. This episode is dense. Colleen has a lot to share. So let's get started. Hi, Colin. Thanks for inviting me to join the podcast. Like you said, my name is Colleen Giles-Harris, and I underwrite and manage the insurance program for the Pet Sitters Associates Group. Um, I've been in underwriting for gosh, 18 years now, and I've managed this program since then. It actually started in 1998. So the first few years, uh, obviously, I wasn't involved quite yet, but I've been handling it uh, since I started in 2003. Wow. What, what I find fascinating about that is that over the course of 18 years, I'm, I'm sure a lot of things have changed in the industry. So I'd love to get your insight into that. Yeah, for sure. Um, the great thing about having this kind of program is there is flexibility. So we've introduced new coverages that are automatically included in our basic membership. And we've also added um, optional coverages that people can add on on an a la carte basis. For example, Maybe about 10, 12 years ago, we introduced our what we call veterinarian expense coverage. And that's the coverage that provides uh, coverage for injuries to client dogs, regardless of negligence or legal liability. Typically, an insurance policy isn't going to kick in or provide coverage unless there's negligence and legal liability on the part of the pet sitter. So in essence, a pet sitter either has to have done something wrong or there has to be something they could have done better to have prevented the claim for traditional insurance to kick in, right? Hmm. Well, we found that there were situations where the pet sitter wasn't negligent, but they felt bad and they wanted to do something to help out their client because there'd been an injury to the dog. So we introduced the veterinarian expense coverage And that provides $1,000 of coverage for injuries, regardless of negligence. So a good example might be, let's say that the pet sitter is playing with the client dog in the client's backyard, and it trips and falls on a hole in the backyard. The liability on that really is on the homeowner because they had a hole in their backyard that they didn't tell the pet sitter about. So traditional policy might not cover that kind of claim, but our policy is going to step in and provide $1,000 because... Uh, there, you know, there wasn't negligence or legal liability. We have that special coverage. More recently, just this year, we introduced a new coverage that we call expanded coverage for client pets, where you can increase that coverage from $1,000 to 2500 And then you also can increase the traditional insurance coverage for your client pet from 15000 to 25000 for an extra $50, because we realize some people want a higher limit. The limits that we provide in the basic membership are, are pretty good and, and you know, cover the large majority of situations. I haven't really found that it hasn't been enough, but we've had people come to us and ask for a higher option. And we didn't want to just increase the coverage to everybody and require everybody to pay more. So we offered it as an optional coverage. Um, in the last several years, we also introduced what we call our house sitting coverage, which provides coverage for um, 
caring for someone's house when there's no pets there. So we have situations where a pet sitter, maybe um, they care for a client pet throughout the year, but one vacation a year, the owners take the pet with. But they still want someone to come and water their plants and take in their mail and you know check on things. So you can add the house sitting coverage to go and take care of the house when there's no pets there. Um, so things like that. We kind of look at what services people are providing, um, what kind of coverages people need. Um, we've increased some limits here and there when we've realized that we didn't have the proper limits for things. So there's definitely been a lot of a lot of changes, and then also just more pet sitters. Yeah. I mean, it's a you know, in the last 15 years, it's, it's, I remember when we first had the program, there were a lot of people who were like, what's a pet sitter? You know, I'm like, what's, what's that? Or like we cover pooper scoopers and they're like, people do that for a living. Yeah, actually a lot of people do it for a living. So um, I, the number of people who need insurance has also drastically increased in the last 15 years. Now, backing up a little bit here and just thinking about not niche, just basic coverage as a pet sitter, as a business owner, what are some of the basic things we need to make sure we have covered? So a traditional insurance policy is going to be called a commercial general liability policy or CGL for short. And a CGL policy is going to provide you with coverage for bodily injury and property damage caused by your business. And with a pet sitter, that would also include caused by a client pet. So some examples of that might be, let's say as a pet sitter, you're walking a client pet down the sidewalk and you come across a lady who's walking her dog and the two dogs get into a fight. I'll talk about the coverage for the client dog at the end of the example. But let's say um, that other dog, the third party dog, as we call it, is injured by the client pet. That's technically considered property. I know that's kind of cold, but our pets are considered legally property. So even though, you know, to you and me, they're members of the family, the law says it's property. So when a client pet injures a third party pet, it's in essence damaging the personal property of a third party person. And our policy will provide up to a million dollars of coverage for that third party dog. Claim is never going to get that big, but that coverage is out there for them. If that third party person, that lady, she puts her hand in the middle of the fight to break it up and she gets bit by the client dog, we're going to provide up to a million dollars of coverage for her bodily injury. And bodily injury claims can get quite large. If the pet sitter puts her hand in there and gets injured by the client pet or the third party dog, we're not going to cover that. Our policy does not provide coverage for injury to the pet sitter, employees, independent contractors, or family members. That's going to potentially fall into a possible like a work comp situation, which is not what we're providing under a CGL. Now, the client pet, there's two coverages for him. I talked about the veterinarian expense coverage for the no negligence. Um, or there's $15,000 of coverage if there is some negligence on the part of the pet sitter. So using that example, it doesn't take a lot to shift it into negligence. It might be something as simple as, um, you know, they had the dog on a retractable leash and it was 16 feet out and they didn't have as much control over the dog as maybe they should have. Um, or maybe you know, something as simple as they shouldn't have let those dogs interact. You know, if the pet sitter is aware of the fact that the client dog doesn't always love other dogs, well, then maybe she should have stepped into someone's driveway or stepped onto the grass and let the other lady and her dog walk past. So it doesn't take a lot to, to hit it into that negligence category. So that's sort of the basic thing. Um, also within that, the basic membership that we provide provides coverage for what we call damage to the real property of the pet owner. 
So I'm using air quotes there. Real property is the house itself and anything attached to the house. So let's say that the pet sitter accidentally causes a fire or a flood in the client's house, not due to an electrical problem or a plumbing issue. That's going to be a homeowner's claim. But the pet sitter does something negligently to cause a fire or a flood. That's We're going to provide up to a million dollars of coverage to damage the client's house under that real property thing. In order to have coverage for what we call their personal property, which is anything inside the house that you can pick up and move around, like a couch or a vase or um, the microwave or something like that, the personal property, you have to purchase our optional broadened property damage coverage and bond. And that would provide $10,000 of coverage for damage to their personal property. It also covers theft by employees or independent contractors or third-party persons due to your negligence. That does not provide coverage for uh, theft by the owner of the business, the main pet sitter that we list on a membership, because we're not really giving you, you know, freedom to just go rob your client, right? You know, <laughs> you, you can control your own sticky fingers. But you can't control what someone else is doing, you know? So um, that's kind of how that coverage works. So I say, as a minimum, you want the PSA basic membership to provide bodily injury and property damage coverage, as well as coverage for the client pets. And I think the broadened property damage coverage and bond is essential because we really do see a lot of breakage claims. So I highly recommend that as well, although it is truly an optional coverage. So um, we know some people don't want to spend the extra hundred dollars. So that's why we made it optional, but I do highly recommend it. Yeah. And it's all about understanding what services you're providing, where those services are going to be and what, again, what that liability is. And you touched on that of like, what, what considers negligence there? And that's, you know, if the owner told you something and you did it anyway, or you ignored that advice, so it's really important, you know, when I hear that, I go, yeah, we ask all of these questions during the meet and greet. We have them fill out all these forms. Mm-hmm. We really need to be reviewing that each time we go to that pet instead of just saying, oh, yep. well, it's in the app or it's, oh, it's in my documents. Like those mean something and will hold you liable if something were to happen because they told you about it. So you need to be following that. Exactly. And that's why it's so important to have those conversations with your client and to get it in writing. You know, we're big uh, proponents of contracts and waivers so that you have all that stuff that you can refer back to. You know, if they say that, um, let's say that you've got a client who has two dogs and, you know, Fluffy is allowed to have free roam of the house, um, no restrictions whatsoever. But little Max, Max has to be in a kennel, right? And let's say that you don't put Max in a kennel um, and Max gets into the garbage and eats something and gets sick. Well, that's pretty obvious negligence because they told you that that uh, Max had to be in a kennel. Well, if Fluffy gets into the garbage and gets sick, that's a little bit more questionable. You know, was there negligence on the part of the pet sitter because they were told Max or that Fluffy could have free range of the house? So you really have to look at you know, what were the instructions? Did you follow them? Um, and all of those things. So yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah, you mentioned that. Like, yeah, the number of times we've had, well, Max is fluid aggressive, but Fluffy is not. So Max has to be kept away from Fluffy at all times when you're feeding them. Like, that's really common, at least for, for Megan and I, for the yeah. dogs we take care of. So yeah, Max always has to go outside because you told us that in that one time, if it does, if you don't, Right then, then you run into some issues of that coverage. And you know that the one time you don't, there's going to be a fight, right? Of course, right? <laughs> it always, it's inevitable. Always, it always, it's always inevitable. <laughs> when we start talking about coverage, I know one of the things that I hear an awful lot is, well, what if I'm doing this part-time? Do I really need all of that coverage? I'm just doing this, you know, two hours, five hours a week, maybe, uh, or on the side when I can. 
I would say, yes, you definitely need it regardless because it only takes five minutes for a severe claim to happen. And, um, you know, we hear a lot of people who say that I only take care of my friends and family's dogs. You know, I, I don't, um, you know, advertise or market to strangers. These are people right. I know, right? So my uncle is not going to sue me if something happens to his dog because I'm his niece, he loves me, you know, it's all going to be well and good, right? I hear that argument all the time. but. Let's say that um, your uncle's dog has a pretty severe injury that's due to your negligence. I, as the pet sitter, I screw up and I let uh, the dog off leash when I shouldn't have. It tears its ACL. Now we've got a $5,000 surgery. My uncle is going to expect me to help him with that because he can't afford that, right? He wants me to help him out. Or worse, let's say I'm walking my uncle's dog and the dog bites a third-party person. That person doesn't care at all that it's my uncle's dog. They're going to sue me as the pet sitter, right? Yeah. So it doesn't take much for there to be a situation. So I definitely think even if you're part-time, even if you're a gig worker, you know, there's the people who are, are very, um, you know, a little bit here and there, and it's not as as steady as maybe a full-time pet sitter like you guys are. Um, or even if you're just taking care of your families and friends, our insurance for Pet Sitters Associates is not expensive. You can get the basic membership to cover one person for less than $200. So, I mean, that's a major peace of mind. It's just the basic. You don't have to get anything else. And it's going to cover that bodily injury and injuries to the dogs um, for less than $200. Yeah. A year, we should add. A year, right? <laughs> a year. Per year. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's the annual. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Sometimes that's, people are like, oh, that's per month, right? No, that's the year. That's so, year. for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. when you start, when you sit down and you do kind of you know a, a risk assessment of your business of of when you start trying to draw on these third parties or these potential third parties, that it gets an awful lot real fast. Especially if your uncle mm-hmm. has people coming over to do yard work or a cleaner or anybody you pass on the street during a walk. All of those kind of things add up really quickly. And I think that's a good point. If you are aware that they there's going to be other people in the home, that's something that you should get documented. So if you know that um, you're taking care of a dog where there's going to be a cleaning lady that comes in every Tuesday, or we hear sometimes about people who are splitting jobs, um, you know, they've got a, the neighbor kid comes and takes care of the dog at lunchtime, but they need someone who can come at night. You want it to be fully documented who's coming into the house. And if you're splitting the job, who's coming, when, and what the responsibilities of each person are. And everybody should have that documentation. So if later on there's an issue, um, like a theft, let's say that like suddenly their watch has disappeared and we find out that there was also a maid in the house, well, we need to make sure that it wasn't the maid that stole the watch. I mean, there's other people that were there. So I think that's really important. I'm glad you mentioned that. Get that kind of documentation that there's other people going, that are going to be involved in the pet sitting or that are just accessing the home. Yeah. My my big thing for us is always who's locking the door and do I know that that door is locked whenever I leave and you know what's the status of that door at all times especially if they've got other people coming in and out because then that liability goes through the roof if you have no idea if they're like oh I've got roommates coming in I've got a cleaner you know I've got this stuff coming in you know document all that so that you know that you know that's not on you if anything were to happen yeah document 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 that's like in the insurance motto so <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> of all of these things that can happen, and this, this can sound like a really scary, really kind of down conversation, but I think it is really important to have to think of just how serious this can and, and should be. Uh, and we should all be taking it really seriously. Um, I know there are all those, the, some of the big claims that you mentioned earlier, but what are some of the more common things that you see come across your desk? Our most 
common claims are probably small injuries to the client pets. Um, you know, a dog goes for a walk and steps on a piece of glass or um, you're out on a walk and they ingest something. You know, they, they, you know, dogs' noses are always on the ground, right? And you can try to watch what they're eating, but the next thing you know, they've eaten a, a sandwich baggie or something and it's caught inside their stomach, right? That happened to my dog. Luckily, we found her to throw it up and it wasn't a big deal, but, you know, you just never know. So right. uh, lots of little things like that or um, lots of small scuffles between two dogs. So if someone's got a pet daycare or a boarding operation, and two client pets get into a scuffle, uh, one and both of them get injured or a small uh, issue at a dog park situation. Um, that happens all the time. And a lot of times it's not even a fight. Like, I don't want to say they're dog fights, but, you know, they're, they're both going after the ball at the same time. And one of them's tooth catches the other one. You know, those kind of things happen all the time. And uh, it can be a couple hundred dollars or it can be a couple thousand dollars, especially if it gets infected or, you know, they need a surgery or anything like that. So we see a lot of that kind of stuff. Um, we also see quite a few of breakage claims that fall into that broad into property damage coverage and bond. Um, silly things sometimes, you know, like uh, they were warming something up in the microwave and the microwave broke. Or um, we had someone once who put her purse down on a glass coffee table and the table just shattered. You know, it was just one of those weird things. Mm -hmm. um, or within that, you know, I talked about the real property, so the house itself. Sometimes we've had situations where the pet sitter is closing the window blinds and the blind breaks. You know, that's going to fall under real property because it's attached to the house. Mm. Um, so things, weird, random things like that happen all the time. Um, I see a lot of ACL tears. My dog's currently going through an ACL tear. Um, and uh, I see at least one a week, probably, you know, and a lot of times it's not the pet sitter's fault. So sometimes it falls into that no negligence category, but uh, I see a lot of that. That's a really common situation where they're just running around and they jump off something funny or, or whatever the case might be. Yeah. And as you mentioned earlier, those things happen in the blink of an eye and you might not think of it. Oh, the dog tripped and it kept running. Right. Or, yep. you know, or the dog just, you know, ran into the wall or something, you know, the playing kind of hard, but being mindful of those things, writing that down, taking them to the vet when you can, you know, it immediately in some of those cases and those scuffles you mentioned. Yeah. Sometimes mm -hmm. it's not even, Oh, did they even make contact? I don't think they did, but you know, it, it just happens really fast. Absolutely. And with taking a dog to the, the vet, I always like to mention this whenever I think about it. Uh, it's really important in insurance that the pet sitter never pay for a claim unless it's a true emergency. So if a dog is severely injured and the owner is not available, obviously take the dog to the vet. And we understand the vet is not going to take care of it unless you pay. That's how all vets work, right? Very few vets are going to let you, you know, give you an invoice. Um, so if it's an emergency, do what you got to do. The animal comes first. But if it's something like, um, you, know, I'm, I, you know, the dog is limping a little bit, does the dog have to go to the vet right now? Or can you wait and talk to the owner and have the owner take the dog to the vet? Mm -hmm. Or is the owner available to connect with you over the phone and give a credit card to the vet over the phone? Whenever possible, you always want to have the owner involved and the owner should pay the claim if they're available to do so. The reason for that is, is there's this legal term called voluntary payment. And it's every state handles it a little bit differently. It's not even an insurance thing. It's a legal thing. If you make a voluntary payment on a claim without talking to a claims adjuster, it can make you look negligent 
and it can cause some serious problems with the claims. And in some states like California, it can require the insurance company to deny the claim, even if it would have been covered and would have been paid and the insurance company wants to pay the claim, they can't because they made this voluntary payment and therefore have admitted negligence without ever having submitted the claim. So you want to be really careful in those scenarios. And I get a lot of questions about it and a lot of confusion of like, well, I want to help the dog. The dog needs help. I get that. But if the owner's available, they should pay. You know, there's some situations where owners have credit cards on file at the vet's office and they can do that. But we also understand, you know, this is a future scenario, but maybe you've got an owner who's on a cruise or they are in Europe or something. You know, this is 10 years down the line when we're all safe again. <laughs> I hope not. I hope not that long. But, you know, we get it. Sometimes they're just not available. And again, you got to do what you got to do. But if they are available, you should always have the owner pay the bill and then the insurance company will pay them back. Have you heard of Time to Pet? Susan from the Pet Gal has this to say. Time to Pet has helped us grow exponentially. We believe the platform's features make us by far more professional than other companies who use conventional dashboards. They are the software gurus constantly developing and improving the platform based on user feedback. This decision was a good one. If you are looking for new pet sitting software, give Time to Pet a try. Listeners of our show can get 50% off their first three months when they go to timetopet.com forward slash confessional. Well, and I know many of us have veterinary release forms, right? So where does, where does that fall in line with that, that pay first, pay later kind of thing? Uh, well, it's a great idea to have that kind of thing saying that they give you permission to take their dog to the vet. I would add on to that a request that if the if their vet allows it to have their credit card on file at the vet, because then that way you've got documentation saying, yep. I have permission to take Fluffy to the vet. They want me to go to ABC Veterinarian Hospital. That's their preferred vet. Mm -hmm. And that vet has a credit card on file. And when I take Fluffy to the vet, the the vet's going to charge that credit card. I think that would be another step in the right direction of a veterinarian release. Um, If the vet doesn't allow a credit card on file, because I'm sure there's some that don't do that, then I would just say, you know, I add to your contract that, you know, I'm going to do everything I can to reach you and have you pay over the phone, you know, whenever possible. Uh, I love waivers. I think they're fantastic. Highly recommend them. But even the best waiver can be torn apart in a court of law. And that's why it's important to have insurance. So, um, you know, Unless you have like, you know, the best lawyer in the world putting your contract together, there's always something, you know, it doesn't take a lot for some other lawyer to be like, no, 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 you know, so it's important to have that waiver. And it's also important to have insurance at the same time. But having that waiver might help you out if you do have a claim, um, you know, to, to have everybody understand what the expectations were. I've seen many forms that say, you know, I give permission for the company to spend X amount of dollars to be put on my account for reimbursement later. That sounds like that's not the right way to go with this. Actually, I don't, I don't think that would be the worst thing because as long as they know, I guess it depends on what you mean by account. If you sure. mean your account, yes. then no. But yeah. if they mean their account at the vet's office, then yes. You okay. know, I think it, like you have my permission to, to charge up to $5,000 on my credit card at my vet. Yeah. I think that would be great. Yeah. Um, to have you pay for them up to a certain amount, that might get a little bit more sketchy because again, you're now making a payment on something when it's not an emergency, you know, and I want to make that really clear again. If it's an emergency, it's okay. 
Like we get it. We want the dog to be taken care of. I don't want to make it sound like that does not important. It is. But if they can wait, you should. Because there's a, there's some things that obviously the dog's got a broken bone. There is a bone sticking out of its leg. You better take it to the vet now, right? Yeah. The dog ate a candy bar or ate a box of raisins. You got to take it to the vet. Those are serious situations, right? But you know the dog's limping a little bit. You know, maybe wait till the next day because sometimes that might resolve itself a little bit. Or you know. Um, the dog just doesn't seem right. You know, you can always call your vet, talk to them, find out what they think, you know? So I think there's some things where, yeah, you got to go now. And maybe there's some that you can wait and talk to the owner before you decide what you want to do. Switching that a little bit um, and thinking about coverage for when we're going into people's homes, you've mentioned a few of them, but is there anything specific we need to make sure that we're covered for? Um, well, kind of things I already talked about, but I, I would recommend the broadened property damage coverage and bond. Um, some people also like to get what's called a dishonesty bond. That's not something that we offer through Pet Sitters Associates. So a dishonesty bond covers you as the pet sitter yourself, as the owner of the business. It typically requires a background check through the police department, and it typically requires a conviction in order for coverage to come into play. So I've been uh, my my client has accused me of stealing some jewelry. I actually have to be convicted before a dishonesty bond typically is going to actually cover me, right? Our broadened property damage coverage and bond does not require a background check. And again, this is for employees or independent contractors, but it's not going to require that you get a background check on your employee. And it's not going to require a conviction. Just the assumption that there was a theft, the insurance is going to come in and start asking questions. You know, if we find out that there were 12 other people accessing the house that week, they might be like, well, you know, it's hard to prove that it was the pet sitter and not the maid or not the roommate or whatever. They're going to ask some questions. Um, Our bond is also going to cover defense costs. if the pet sitter is blamed for stealing. We call it mysterious disappearance. So I'm the pet sitter. The client says, my jewelry has mysteriously disappeared. I'm like, well, I didn't steal it. I know I didn't steal it, right? But they blame me and they take me to court. Our policy is going to cover defending me, right? As the pet sitter. But if we end up finding during the claims investigation, a video of me at the pawn shop selling the jewelry, well, now I'm not going to be covered because I actually did steal it but I get defense costs as the owner of the business. But if my employee steals that jewelry, even if we see her at the pawn shop, there's still going to be $10,000 of coverage because it's my employee and I can't control what she does. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, it does. So I think that having some version of a bond is a good idea. And, uh, you know, it just depends. Obviously no one, I don't think anyone plans on stealing from their client, but, uh, you know, if assuming that you're an honest person and you're not going to steal from your client, the kind of coverage that we're providing is sufficient because it's going to defend you if accused and it's going to cover your employees and independent contractors or even an incidental helper. So maybe it's Christmas time and you have to have someone come and help out just a little bit here and there, but they're not a full employee uh, and they steal something. Or let's say as the pet sitter, I negligently leave the front door unlocked. You sound like you do a great job making sure the door's locked, but every once in a while, you know, I might forget to unlock, you know, the door gets unlo- left unlocked and someone breaks in and steals the jewelry. We'd cover that up to $10,000. If someone breaks into the house and you didn't do anything wrong, you know, you locked up everything you were supposed to, you left the lights on like you were supposed to, that's going to be a homeowner's claim. But if you as the pet sitter negligently left the door open, 
you know, or what something like that. There's going to be some coverage for third-party thefts as well. I think that's something to think about, um, depending on how you want to handle the situation. I should mention too that with the broadened property damage coverage and bond, if you have an employee or an independent contractor who you are aware of has a previous charge or conviction of theft, we're not going to cover that person for theft. So if you choose to hire John as your employee and you know that John, you know, back in his teenage years or his college years, you know, little sticky fingers, hey, you can still have hire him. That's your prerogative. We're going to cover him for injuries to the dogs. We're going to cover him for regular liability. But John's no longer going to have theft coverage because you knowingly hired him. We're not asking you to do a background check. But if you know, then it's not really fair to have us cover theft if you know he has a history of it. So just a little caveat. (laughs) Sure. I'm sure there's a lot of those in your line of work. Yeah. Now, you you mentioned employees, and this was something I did want to get to was, you know, what kind of coverage options should we be considering as we grow and add people, as we add employees? Yeah, so um, definitely it's going to depend on where your insurance is through. I'm sure that there's situations where maybe it's not, uh, you don't have to add them one by one. But with the Pet Sitters Associates, we do require that employees be added. And independent contractors, we want to have them added if they don't have their own insurance or if they have insurance through somebody other than Pet Sitters Associates. So if I am the main pet sitter and I have Susie as an independent contractor, and she's also a member of Pet Sitters Associates for her own business, but then she works for me as an IC, we don't require that I add Susie to my membership because any claims involving Susie will just go on Susie's membership. And we kind of feel like we're double charging if we did that, which isn't really fair, right? right? But let's say Susie doesn't have insurance at all or she has insurance through somebody other than Pet Sitters Associates, then I have to add her to my membership because that's the only way that I know that she has the same coverage that I want her to have. Um, So it kind of comes down to employee. Of course, that's going to be a W-2 situation. They have to be added. Independent contractor, which is a 1099 type situation. If they don't have insurance or insurance through somebody other than PSA, then you have to add them. So um, that's kind of a a little special thing with our policy. You want to make sure that you have them covered under your membership. And again, if you have insurance through somebody other than Pet Sitters Associates, you'd want to look and see how their program works or how your insurance works with them and if you have to add them or not. I'm sure it might be a little different for other other groups. I did want to touch on this. You've used the word membership when referring to yeah. Petzer's Associates. What makes Petzer's Associates different in the way they administer their insurance policies? So first of all, from an insurance perspective, it's called a master policy program, which means that we have one master policy with one policy number that covers all the members that are added from July 1st to July 1st. So that's our, that's our policy term. So everybody in that time period is going to have the same policy number. But each individual person has their own five-digit membership ID number that's distinctive to that membership, and they each have their own limits of insurance. So one person's claims aren't going to deplete somebody else's limits of insurance. Um, So that's an important thing. But by having everybody on one master policy like that, we can avoid policy minimum premiums, which is what makes insurance expensive when you go to like a regular insurance agent. Insurance companies require, you know, if you're going to write a policy with us, we need $500. That's the minimum we need, right? Or whatever the number might be. We don't have to do that because everyone's on one policy 
we can just charge the rate that we feel is appropriate, which is the $190 for the basic. Um, so that's one thing about how our insurance is written. It's a membership because there's other things too. Um, they have a quarterly newsletter that the association sends out that's got tips and tricks and, and fun little things that help vetsers grow. There's some discounts available um, through educational opportunities or um you know, different things like that that you can get because you're a member of Pet Sitters Associates. Obviously, the biggest benefit is the insurance. They also have a directory um, that you can be on. So if you want to be part of their directory, it's another opportunity to market your business. I don't really understand any of this, but my understanding too is that if you are on um, a search engine like that, it can help your Google ratings because the more places your website is listed, it helps Google. I don't know. That's what I was told. <laughs> I don't really understand. But uh, you know, anything that helps you get up on the Google rating, I suppose, is a good thing. Right. Making that clarification of it's being underwritten under that one group policy, kind of like if you've had insurance, yeah. you know, like health insurance through a company beforehand, right? You, everyone's covered under the same policy, but you get your own individual number yep. that has your own limits and everything underneath that. So it sounds like it's... It, very similar to that. Very similar. Yeah. And and that's also why when you get your health insurance through, you know, your company or whatever under a group policy, it's typically cheaper than if you go to a insurance agent and get your own health insurance policy just for your family. It's going to be more expensive. So yeah, that's a great uh, analogy. Okay. Because that was one question I had with, of, you know, can, can I just use my own personal insurance for my business? And, and why would that not be a good option? So personal insurance and commercial insurance are two very different things. So your personal insurance, like your homeowner's policy, is going to provide you with coverage for liability on a personal basis. Um, thinking about dogs, so my, my personal dog is covered under my homeowner's policy. I have liability coverage for her if she injures somebody in my house or on my property, if she's with me, or even if she's at large. So if my dog runs out the front door and, and runs away and she's at large and she injures somebody, my personal liability insurance through my homeowners or renters insurance is going to provide me with coverage for those injuries that she caused, but it's covering me on a personal basis. Once you form a business, you need what's called commercial insurance to cover the business liability. So they're two very different things. Uh, I highly recommend homeowners or renters insurance for everybody. I think that uh, unfortunately, a lot of people in the world don't have renters insurance, and that's very scary to me. Um, and I don't even really care. Like my, my, I have a 26-year-old stepdaughter, and I don't really care if her stuff gets stolen. She doesn't exactly have like the highest quality of furniture and stuff yet. She's only 26, right? If her house gets robbed, whatever. But <laughs> she needs that liability insurance. She's got a couple of cats, and if someone comes over for a party and the cat scratches them and that gets infected and they end up in the hospital, she needs liability insurance that's going to cover the liability caused by her cat. That kind of makes sense? Yeah, yeah, it does. It does. It's it just seeing where those lines are and what activities yep. you're involved in, whether that's personal or that's through your business and, and how you have that set up. Absolutely. I know you mentioned earlier you really like waivers and signing forms like that. And I know one of the first thoughts that Megan and I had when we first started pet sitting was, well, can't we just like make a waiver that says I'll never sue you regardless and have my client sign that? Is that is that, a, is that an option? <laughs> Well, you can, um, you know, go for it. I love that idea. You know, um, sort of a, you know, dirty little secret about waivers is we're hoping that it deters people. So um, let's say, you know, you go to the fair and you're going to go on one of those like, 
trampoline things with the harness, right? And you like jump up really high. I don't know if they have those where you are, but those kind of, sometimes when you're at the fair, you have to sign a little waiver saying, I'm not going to sue you if I get hurt, right? Great. They're hoping that if you get hurt, you're like, well, I signed a waiver, right? But uh, that doesn't necessarily stop my husband from suing them, right? I signed the waiver. If I die on that trampoline thing, I guarantee my husband's going to sue them. He's not going to care that I signed a waiver, right? Yeah. But the hope is that if you get hurt, you're like, oh, I signed a waiver. I'm not going to sue you. So um, we want people to sign waivers because obviously they're acknowledging that there is something going on and that there could be an incident. And yeah, I get that I'm not going to sue you. So my dog goes to a dog daycare. And I signed a waiver saying that if my dog gets hurt there um, or injures somebody else, I will take responsibility for it, which I would because that's kind of person I am. But, uh, and I'm not going to sue the dog daycare, but doesn't say anything about me not suing the other dog owner. So if another dog at the dog daycare viciously attacks my dog, I could still sue that other person, right? So there's all of those little like caveats. And I, I should make this very clear. I'm not an attorney. So okay. I'm not, I can't give you legal advice. You know, this is just things I've learned over the years. I am not an attorney. Sure. Um, but, you know, waivers are going to hopefully deter someone from suing you because they acknowledged previously that there was an exposure there. And, you know, everyone understands that, but they still could, which is why it's so important that you also have insurance. Right. You mentioned earlier about the a good good lawyer is going to be able to wiggle through any most of that wording in any way possible. Mm-hmm. So still having or that even insurance. just the defense. Right. You yeah. know, that's like I, I don't think people think about that sometimes. So, you know, you might have a claim situation that's not going to be covered. You know, the claim isn't covered because there was a waiver or something like that. And and let's say it's a great waiver and it stands up and we're not going to cover it because of the waiver, but the person still sues you. You still have to go to court. You still have to have lawyer expenses um, and those kind of things. The defense costs are still something that you want to have covered in that scenario. And an important thing to always look at in your insurance is, are the defense costs inside the limits or outside the limits, right? Mm. So our policy is outside the limits, meaning that any defense costs that the insurance company incurs while defending your claim are not going to deplete your limits. So we have a million-dollar bodily injury occurrence limit. Let's say someone is seriously, seriously hurt, and it's you know um, $800,000. We actually did have an $800,000 claim that got paid out a couple of years ago. Um, the defense costs were $350,000. So if our defense costs were inside the limits, that would have lowered our limit from a million dollars to... Six hundred and fifty, yeah, six hundred and fifty thousand dollars, right? My math skills. Um, so that's all that would have been left. And when the court said you owe eight hundred thousand dollars, the insured would have had to come up with one hundred and fifty thousand dollars because our limit had been depleted, right? Right. But our defense costs are outside the limit, so it didn't matter that there were three hundred and fifty thousand dollars of defense costs. There was still the full million dollars available to pay the loss. Some insurance policies do have it inside the limit. So that's something that it's important to look at in your insurance. How is your defense cost set up? Because uh, you always want, whenever possible, outside the limits. Thinking about the, that really big claim that you, you said, you know, is what, how large can these claims get uh, when, we're, when we're talking about 
court costs or anything like that? So obviously, like we said earlier, the majority of the claims we see are going to be on the smaller side. A few hundred dollars to a few thousand dollars are definitely the more common claims. Um, The $800,000 claim was a situation. Um, What happened in that case was a pet sitter was walking a client dog. And I don't even believe the dog made contact with the person, but she was startled by the dog jumping up, right? And then she fell over and she hit her head and there was like brain damage. She was hospitalized for a long time. She couldn't work. It was really bad. Um, And $800,000 were all her medical expenses and all the other things that come into play when someone has that severe of an injury. Definitely unusual, but a big one. We also had a couple of claims that um, within about a few months, we had a pet sitter who was walking a dog um, and the dog bit somebody. And, and uh, we paid that claim and it ended up being about two hundred dollars or $300,000. That pet sitter continued to walk that same dog. And only within a couple of months later, the dog bit again. And um, he actually took the dog the second time into um, like a cafe or something with people. So like he wasn't even trying to avoid people. He like, you know, went someplace where there were a lot of people. And so the second claim also the medical bills and whatnot were in the two hundred to three hundred thousand dollar range, but double liability came into play. So that's another legal thing. Every state's a little bit different, but in Wisconsin, where I am, if you have a dog that you know has a history of biting and it bites a second time, there's double liability. So automatically, you have to pay twice as much for whatever what costs would have been because you knew that this dog had a history, right? Mm. So in that case, within a matter of a few months, we paid out about $300,000 on one claim and $600,000 on the second claim. Wow. So I think that's something that people need to keep in mind. Um, you know, I know we, we insure some pet trainers who work with aggressive dogs and, and you know, dogs that have history of biting. And I'm certainly not saying that you can't work with those kind of dogs, but I think yeah. you need to be aware of the fact that your state might have a double liability situation. And this, you want to be extra careful if you are working with a dog that has a history of biting. That's definitely a time where you want to get something in writing. You want to have the owner acknowledge that, hey, my dog's got a history here. You know, you might want to ask them even, is your homeowner still covering this dog? Because in some situations, the homeowner's policy is going to now exclude the dog and they have no coverage for the dog anymore. Um, so, you just want to, if you know the dog has a history of biting, you might want to ask a few more questions. Uh, and you also might want to keep in mind that there's no coverage, at least under our policy, for injuries to you. So sometimes you might just want to like think about it. Do I really want to take care of this dog? You know, and I know it's hard, especially right now in our, our economic climate, to turn jobs down. Yeah. But sometimes that is the right answer. And you know, sometimes that's just the better thing for everybody um, to, to step away from the claim. Or the dog, I mean, because <laughs> it's going to be a claim. <laughs> right. Well, in that case, yeah. But yeah, no, it, you know, you take that of like, yeah, we doing those kind of assessments of going, okay, this is um $80 training session for an hour. Um, the liability on this could be $800,000 if something goes wrong. Is that worth yep. it, right? Is that worth it at right now? And just thinking yeah. about that and making sure, as you said, everything's documented, you know, that may cause you to change up with the schedule of your training or offer different services in a new way to meet that need if you still want to serve that pet, but doing things differently with them because yeah. of the history of them and taking all or of even, that into account. 
Yeah. Or even like using a, a muzzle or something, you know, I know a lot of people don't like muzzles or, you know, I, I, I don't necessarily want to put one on my dog, but you know, if my dog had bit somebody before, you know, maybe I'd walk her with a muzzle just as an extra sense of, of protection, you know? Um, you know, I don't want to have a, a situation where my dog bites somebody. I'd feel horrible if there was a severe injury, you know? Right. Yeah. That and, and changing where and how you walk them, not taking them yeah. into a cafe or into a crowded <laughs> market or, you know, in, into a little school with children, right? Don't take them there, you know, take them somewhere else and start working on them and recommend training and all that kind of thing. And like take the holistic approach to that instead of just going, ah, we'll be fine. It won't happen yep. this time, right? <laughs> I think that's really smart. Uh, other large claims that we've seen not related to you know dog bites are things like floodings of homes. Um, for example, we had a situation where a pet sitter was told, you can use this bathroom, but you can't use that bathroom. That toilet's broken. And they used the wrong bathroom, and the toilet overflowed, and it flooded. And um, they were in an apartment building, actually. So not only did it flood the apartment of the client, but it also caused water damage to the apartment below. And that was several hundreds of thousands of dollars. You know, if the owner had not told them that they couldn't use that toilet, I think there's a possibility that would have ended up being a homeowner's type situation. But because they had had that communication and they were told not to, and they did anyway, now they're negligent. And now there's, you know. Whoopsies. (laughs) Whoopsies. <laughs> <laughs> Expensive whoopsies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you know, you mentioned dog trainers. And I was curious about what other kind of, you know, if there needed any special insurance for other services as we're all kind of niching down and, and figuring out and offering new services. So things like if we're offering grooming or pet taxis, you know, do, what kind of coverages would we need for those kind of things? Great question. Um, and again, every association is probably be a little bit different, but with Pet Sitters Associates, ours is an a la carte program. So um, our basic membership provides you with coverage as a traditional pet sitter or dog walker, going into the client's home, feeding the pets, taking the dog for a walk, going to the dog park. It does automatically include pet taxis. We provide coverage for pet taxis up to a 200-mile radius. Um, we used to cover um, long distance pet taxis. So earlier on in the conversation, you asked about changes that have been made. So yeah. um, we found a situation where sadly, a lot of dogs were dying in cross country um, travel. You know, they would get left in the back of the car overnight and you know they would die from exhaust fumes and stuff. So we just decided that wasn't something we wanted to be part of anymore. So we limit our pet taxis and transporters to 200 miles because that's not normally going to be overnight the majority of our pet taxi people are doing like taking the dog to the groomer or the vet, you know, for like an elderly client or something. Mm -hmm. But we do have some situations where, you know, maybe um, a puppy is purchased two hours away and the pet taxi will pick the puppy up and then bring it to the new home, you know, that kind of thing. Right. So that's actually covered under our basic membership, Mm -hmm. but within the pet taxi, we're really just covering an injury to the client pet in a car accident. We're not providing automobile liability. So if the pet taxi gets into a car accident and injures a person or something like that, that's going to fall under auto insurance. Mm. Ours really is just kind of covering, for lack of a better term, I'm going to say the cargo of the dogs, you know, um, that kind of thing. They're considered property, so that kind of terminology would, yes. would fit there, right? Yeah, so I mean, that's the best kind of way of looking at it. We're going to cover the animals if they get hurt. Um, then we have a la carte coverages for the house sitting, which again, we mentioned earlier, is going to be um, taking care of someone's house without a pet. Um, we have an optional coverage for grooming. We have an optional coverage for dog trainers. 
uh, dog and cat trainers. We actually have a few cat trainers, a, a new thing I had never really heard of, but it's more like behavioral training you know, for the cats, you know, maybe training how to use the litter box or that kind of thing. Um, so dog cat training is one category. Um, we just introduced last year a coverage for show dog handlers. So it's not going to cover if, if you are your own, uh, show, showing your own personal dog, but if you actually are training and handling uh, show dogs for other people, that's a new coverage that we just added. Our most common probably are the pet daycare and boarding operation. So if you are going to be bringing client pets back to your home, even just one at a time, you now are operating either a pet daycare if it's during the day or a boarding situation if it's overnight. So you need to add that coverage onto your membership to extend the liability insurance to cover your home. So it's not going to cover damage to your house, but it's going to cover, let's say you've got a client pet coming for the day. And a friend or the mailman stops over to your house and that person gets bit by the client dog. It's going to cover that kind of scenario. Mm -hmm. Or if you have two dogs staying at your house and they get into a fight, you know, that kind of thing. So it's really important to add that uh, pet daycare and boarding coverage on. Because unfortunately, at least a few times a year, I get a phone call from a pet sitter who had a situation happen at their house and they didn't add that coverage on. And I'm just like, I'm sorry, you know, you don't have the pet daycare and boarding. And they're like, well, I don't really operate a daycare. I just bring one dog back. Well, that's a daycare. You know, you don't have to have multiple dogs for it to be yeah. daycare. Just yeah. one dog. Now it's a daycare. So, um, and we do in our program limit it to 10 dogs during the day or five overnight. And that would apply to cats too. So I mean, if you're, if you're doing a cat boarding, you know, it's 10 animals during the day or five overnight. And we limit that because we're not really looking at covering the large operations you know, the facilities that people have. The dog daycare that my dog goes to is, is too large for our program. Mm. Um, they have like 30 dogs, although they keep them in smaller groups, which makes me very happy as the dog mama. Um, but uh, they actually have 30 dogs there. And then they also are a kennel. So it's just a, that that is too big for the kind of program that we have. The death of a pet that we care for is always hard to deal with. And as a pet sitter, sometimes we can feel a little lost as to what to do to help out the owner. Well, thankfully, Pet Perennials makes it easy as one, two, three to send a heartfelt condolence gift directly to someone with a broken heart. They have this awesome direct client gift service that takes the effort off of us and ensures a thoughtful, personalized sympathy gift reaches our client or even our employee. All gift packages include a handwritten card, colorful gift wrap, and shipping fees across the U.S. and Canada. Now, they're releasing an array of milestone gifts and greeting cards throughout 2021 that can be sent to celebrate birthdays, extend get well wishes, and to welcome new or even rescue pets into a family. They also have a few gift options in case you need to send a sympathy gift in memory of a special human client. If you're interested, register for a free account to receive discounted package pricing rather than paying the consumer prices. Since the service is leveraged on an as-need basis, there are no monthly or annual obligation or minimum number of purchases. And that's really the best part. It's an as-you-need-it service, but you get a discount as you sign up for your business. So learn more and register petperennial.com forward slash pages forward slash GPS and use the referral code PSC at registration where you'll get a unique coupon code to save $2 off any package you send in your first 90 days after you register.
Now, on that, if we're bringing them back into our home, is there a way or do we need to try and add our partner or kids to a policy or would that fall under the homeowner's policy? And really, it's going to depend on how you operate your business. So I get that question all the time. If... um, if you are, if your spouse is going to be helping you with the dogs, you should add them as an extra. Thir- it's ninety dollars to add them, but if your spouse isn't, I mean, you know your spouse better than anybody else. So I know you and Megan are different because you both pet sitters. But let's yeah. say that it's your business, and Megan's like, I want nothing to do with these dogs. I'm not helping, right? Yep. So you don't have to add her because she's not going to do anything. Okay. But if Megan's going to feed the dogs or even just let them in and out the backyard. It's better, in my opinion, to be safe and just pay the extra $90 so that if she does something wrong, there's coverage. Now, children's a little different. So we do not require that you pay to add minor children who still live with you. And the reason why we don't require that is we feel in the American culture, it's very normal to have people's children helping with business. Mm -hmm. So if you have a 16-year-old daughter and she wants to help walk dogs, We're fine with that. You know your daughter. If you trust your daughter and you've trained her and you feel like she can walk dogs, you don't have to add her as an employee or independent contractor because she's your child and she lives with you. I will remind you, there's no coverage if she gets injured, though. So keep that in mind. Some parents might go, it's not worth the risk. I don't need my 16-year-old daughter to get mauled in the face. Um, So some people might not. But if you have an 18-year-old child, they are no longer a minor, according to the law. So an 18-year-old child who's helping with the business should be added as an employee or independent contractor because they are no longer considered your minor child, even if they live with you. So that's one of those kind of weird things. But if you, I know you have kids. So if you guys had a dog at the house um, and your kids were playing with it and the, you know, they were playing a little too rough and the dog hurt itself, you don't have to worry about the fact that your kid's not lifted because we expect that that's a normal thing in American culture. You know your spouse, you know your partner better than anybody else. And, and, yep. and But that simple fact of like, they may have to help out one time or two times periodically. And so just having them covered really is a that peace of mind again. So knowing that everything would be, be taken care of. Yeah, I think it's a smart thing. I mean, I think I mentioned it earlier. We do provide coverage for incidental helpers. Um, we define an incidental helper as anyone who helps you out less than 30 days total within your membership term, and you pay them less than $600 annually, which is kind of an IRS thing. But we cover the incidental helpers for free because we understand there's going to be situations where you're going to need help just a little bit, and we don't want to make you pay for it. So maybe it's Christmas time and things are extra crazy because everyone's got stuff going on at Christmas. So you need to hire an extra helper for like two weeks at Christmas, right? Yeah, That's less than 30 days. And as long as you pay them less than $600, they're automatically covered. Or let's say you, you have the flu and you have jobs scheduled for tomorrow, or sadly right now you've got COVID and you need someone else to come in and jump in and take care of your dogs for a couple of weeks while you quarantine. Yeah. We don't want you to have to add on somebody and pay the $90 because you need someone to help you out for a couple of weeks. So that's a really special thing within Pet Sitters Associates. I don't know how other um, programs work. So it's something you want to look at if you are a member elsewhere, but we have that sort of extra thing. Um, the only thing about incidental helpers, it does not apply to a pet daycare. So if you wanted to have someone help you out and they're going to take dogs back to their house, you do need to add them on and you do need to add on the pet daycare for their house because the pet daycare coverage is location specific. We're actually covering the location, which is why it's listed specifically on your membership. So as long as your incidental helper isn't going to go 
bring them back to their house. You don't have to pay anything. All those little things to, to keep track of. In, in your mind, with all of this, these terms and all these definitions that we've broken down today, like what would you say is one of the biggest misunderstandings or confusing things about insurance that pet sitters have? Uh, well, kind of like we talked about earlier, about people thinking maybe they don't need it because they are you know, only working with their family and friends. I think that's a a big thing. Um, When I look at the number of pet sitters in the United States and then the number of members that we have and the number of members that I know other associations have, I know there's a very large portion of uninsured pet sitters. Mm -hmm. So either they don't think they have an exposure because they're only working with their family and friends, or they incorrectly think that they've got coverage through their homeowner's policy. Um, some companies provide coverage for home-based businesses. So your homeowner's insurance, you can add on an endorsement for a home-based business. And without really thinking about it, some pet sitters think, oh, that covers my business. Well, it might cover some things, but it's definitely not going to cover the client pet if it gets yeah. injured, which is Again, one of the biggest claims we see are injuries to the pets. Um, and it's probably, you know, like if you have a major claim, your homeowner's insurance is probably going to be like, eh, yeah, you bought that endorsement, but I don't really know. But we didn't really know what we were covering. Um, so I think the biggest thing is people either not thinking they need insurance or ignorantly. And I don't mean that to sound bad using the word ignorantly, but no. um, n- not understanding the insurance that they have, thinking it covers more than they do. I think that's a big thing. And I would say just having a good insurance agent would help you. So mm-hmm. a lot of people these days buy their homeowners or renters insurance online through a direct resource like Geico or Progressive or whatever. And that's all well and good for just a simple homeowners or renters policy with nothing special on it. But if you have a business, you probably want to look and talk to somebody, you know, a, a website that you can go to with questions like our our program does. Or actually like going to someone's office and speaking with them, you know, traditional insurance agent. You really want to make sure that you've got really what you you need and understand what you have. In this hour we've been talking so far, like the number of circumstantial kind of conversations that come up of like, ooh, am I covered under this or under this? Or what about Mm -hmm. this? All of those kind of things that come up that you may think of. Those are hard to answer during an online FAQ uh, that's printed yep. out because they they're not going to take the time to print out every single possible scenario. That's yeah, every up. hypothetical claim scenario that possibly could come up. The ones that get that wake you up at two in the morning and are like, oh, yeah, those aren't going to be on there, right? <laughs> no, they're they're not. So having somebody to talk to is is really huge. <laughs> and, and thinking about that, you know, maybe over the last eighteen years, what's been one of the more surprising? claims that you see or more, you know, shocking or or whatever. (laughs) I would say one of the weirdest claims I've ever seen, um, probably a good 10, 15 years ago. I honestly don't even remember how the claim turned out, but there was a a dog daycare situation where there was a uh, unaltered female dog who was a breeding dog. It was a purebred dog that was intent on breeding, right? And it was in heat. And for whatever reason, the pet owner and the pet sitter thought it was fine to have this in-heat dog at the dog daycare with unaltered male dogs, right? Like, I don't know what they were thinking, but they apparently thought that was okay. So the um, pet sitter was out of the room. And when she came back in, a whole bunch of dogs, you know, together, right? And she separated them thinking it was just a fight. Well, the owner of the female found out the dog was pregnant. 
But the, the worst part of it was, well, one, this dog was meant to breed, so they were losing money because they had intent on breeding her, right? So mm-hmm. there was that part of the situation. But then the other question was, which dog impregnated her? She was a little dog, and there was a big dog and a little dog that could have impregnated her. And the concern was, if she'd been impregnated by the big dog, the puppies would potentially kill her. You know, because they'd be too big for her to deliver. They'd have to have a C-section and whatnot. So there was this big concern about, one, the loss of money because they couldn't breed it now until the next heat cycle. And two, uh, which dog had impregnated her? <laughs> Luckily, in the end, I remember it was the smaller dog that had impregnated her. So there wasn't a concern about the injuries, you know, or a C-section or anything. And I, I do believe that they were able to, you know, adopt out all the puppies because they were still really cute and everything. Um, but uh, I can't remember how much we paid on it or any of the details from that long ago. But I remember thinking that is probably one of the weirdest things I will ever have to deal with. <laughs> Didn't know you get the the puppy version of Maury out there trying to figure out who the father is. <laughs> Today on Jerry Springer. <laughs> you are the father. <laughs> Oh. You never know what you're going to see in my industry. Yeah, you never know, and it's always new and different. That's <laughs> I'm going to be thinking about that story for a long time now. <laughs> so there's there's kind of two two things to consider with insurance. Like most of the time, it's either you're just starting out and you need to consider insurance, or maybe you've been in the business a while. How do you reassess? So we'll we'll take one of those both at a time. Like, what advice would you give to somebody just starting out and getting insurance? Well, from an insurance perspective, I definitely recommend, you know, looking around at your different options or if you have friends who are in the pet sitting industry, asking them for references. Um, Typically, people are not shy to tell you if they're unhappy with their insurance. So, I mean, I would listen to people. Um, But I also, like, take that with a caveat because sometimes people get grumpy about things that really aren't the insurance company's fault. But I would ask people um, for advice on who they recommend for insurance and, you know, look around on the internet. Outside of insurance, I would recommend to a new pet sitter that they contact their city, county, and state government to find out if there's any licensing requirements. Every area is different. Some require licensing, some don't. Some situations, um, you're going to find that the dog park or the county park requires that you have insurance to go there as a pet sitter. In uh, Marin County, California, which is the San Francisco area of California, all pet sitters and dog walkers must have insurance in order to bring their dogs into any of the parks in Marin County. Mm. So things like that are good to know. Um, I also recommend uh, contacting an attorney to help you put a contract or a waiver together. Or if you don't want to spend the money on an attorney, you might want to look and see if your area has a small business bureau. Some small communities have small business bureaus that will provide you with either inexpensive or sometimes even free legal advice for small businesses. So that's a resource for you. Uh, And then just make sure that you know what kind of services you're going to provide starting out so that you have the insurance to cover those services. As your business grows, likely you might be adding services. So I think it's important to think about that. A lot of times, um, you know, a pet sitter will join Pet Sitters Associates with the basic insurance or maybe just one or two things, and they don't think about it again. Suddenly they're offering grooming and they don't think to add the grooming coverage on because they just, you know, think about it. Insurance isn't the first thing people think about, right? But Whenever you're adding a new service, whenever you're going to be doing something new, you want to make sure that that is going to be covered by your insurance policy. And maybe it already is, or maybe you have to add something on. So um, 
you know, an example of Petzer's Associates, go to the website, look at the insurance options page, look at the FAQ page. If your answer is not there, reach out to the association. You're probably going to talk to Elizabeth. Uh, that's the office manager at PSA. She's fantastic, super helpful, real friendly. Um, she can answer a lot of the basic questions, but if it gets really insurance specific, she's going to give you to me. And then I'm going to talk with you about the specific scenario. So, um, you know, and I'm always happy to do that. And I've tried to like really take the time to talk to people, not just answer their question, but I want to make sure that people understand what they have so that, you know, later on, if there's a claim and they didn't purchase what I told them to, I'll be like, well, we did talk about that. So right. don't yell at me. <laughs> <laughs> I get yelled at sometimes. I'm like, I don't, it's not my fault. Don't yell at me. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, that's a good reminder of, especially as a lot of us pivoted and started offering new service or different services because of COVID. Like we may have done that just to start bringing an in income or keep the lights on, but didn't really yeah. think about the insurance. So Thinking back and going, oh, I offered grooming. I started offering grooming. Uh, I'm not actually covered for that. So let's go back and get that coverage. Um, and as Absolutely. you grow, you know, those things just happen. But especially now, where a lot of us changed, some of us really drastically, making sure in- our insurance keeps up with us as we change and yep. grow too. And thinking of COVID, I know that there's a lot of people who are are struggling right now. You know, um, if their clients were mostly people who were going on vacation and now people aren't going on vacation or a lot of their clients are now working at home and perhaps they don't need the daily dog walk because they're at home. We got a lot of questions from people about just ideas on how to branch out um, and how to, you know, expand their business during COVID. Some of the ideas that I've heard from people are uh, reaching out to essential workers who maybe you weren't uh, working with before, but now you've got a nurse who is working longer hours and perhaps they need a a pet sitter. They didn't need one before, but now they do. Um, Or uh, looking at uh, your clients who are working at home and offering dog walks during Zoom calls. You know, you have an important business meeting on Zoom and your dog is barking in the background. Some companies, not going to be a big deal. Others, you're going to be a little embarrassed, you know. So um, reaching out to them and saying, hey, I I realize that you don't need me to come every day because you're home. But if you've got a a Zoom call every Tuesday and Thursday at two o'clock, maybe I can walk the dog during that time so you don't have to worry about it. So trying to like just think about what you know, it's different. People don't need you in the same way, but maybe they need you in a different way. Or we've had some dog trainers who are no longer meeting with people in person. They're now offering dog training over Zoom. Right. You know, you still need insurance for that because you're still offering training, um, but it's okay to do it over Zoom. So there's things like that that just kind of think about, think outside the box a little bit. I know one of the big ones that st- people started offering were, were poop scooping and pet taxi. And um, you know, yep. if you... You know, that's a great option, especially if people staying at home, needing things to get done, run errands. But if that's not something that's covered under your existing policy, right? Like you need to mm-hmm. be careful with that and just double check those kind of things to make sure it keeps up. Yeah. And with Pet Sitters Associates, both of those, those are covered under the basic membership. And I love Pooper Scoopers, mostly because I love the names. <laughs> like if you're going to pick up Pooper Living, they always have the best names. Like our local guy um, who picks up poop for my house. His name is the Turd Burglars, and I think that's hilarious. <laughs> so, you know, you got to have a good sense of humor about it. <laughs> you do. You if you got you got to just be open and honest about it and be like, yep, this is what we do, and we do it yep. awesome. So, yeah, <laughs> they do have good names. And so yeah, some pooper scoopers just do uh, pick up in people's yards, but then there, we have some pooper scoopers who um, 
You know, you go to the park and there's the little post with the, you can get the doggy bags and throw the poop in the thing. So city parks require that the pooper scooper have insurance hmm. for that. So that's an interesting way to branch out. If your city doesn't already have that, or you know, our small towns don't necessarily have that, it's an interesting opportunity. You're now doing a service for your community and the, and the city typically pays people to do that kind of thing because they don't want to pick up the poop, right? So, yeah. um, you know, it's a, it's a great little, a very interesting uh, add-on to people's services. I think um, another thing I've heard a lot of people are doing is, you know, they've got extra free time because, you know, they're not working as much. So they're volunteering in their community. You know, they're volunteering at the local humane society or the local food shelter. And obviously helping your community is number one priority, but Sort of a secondarily, it's a great networking opportunity. You know, you're meeting people maybe you wouldn't have met before. Um, you know, maybe you meet somebody at the food bank, you know, while you're stacking shelves with them and maybe they don't need a pet sitter, but they're like, hey, you know, my aunt and uncle probably could use a pet sitter. So it's just another opportunity to get your name out there, your face out there, and and also help your community at the same time. Yeah. Uh, yeah, which is something that we all all want and, and should be involved in in doing. Yeah, Colleen, this has been a wonderful conversation. I really appreciate you taking the time to break down all of these things and talk through some of these scenarios and help us understand how we're currently covered and maybe how we can help shore up those sides to make sure that we're we're better covered moving into the future. Um, I know there's a lot more questions out there, though. Um, it's a big field uh, with lots of possibilities, yeah. as, we, as we mentioned, though. So um, how can people get in touch and learn more about their insurance and what kind of coverage they need for their business? For Pet Sitters Associates, it's going to be the website, which is PetSitLLC.com. Um, the insurance options page and the FAQ page are very detailed. I helped write them, so it's really explaining all of the coverages that we have. Um, obviously, not every question that anybody possibly could have would be on there. So I would, if you don't, if your question isn't answered, then I'd reach out to the association. And like I said, Elizabeth would put you in contact with me if she couldn't answer the basic type questions that you have. Um, if you're not a member of Pet Sitters Associates and you're not sure about your insurance, just ask questions. You know, a good insurance agent's going to take the time to talk to you um, and, and answer those questions for you. And if, if they're not taking the time to help you, then maybe that's a sign that they're not the right insurance agent for you. Yeah. All, all red flags for sure on that. They're not helpful. Um, look for somebody who is going to be. Because when you need them, you need them to be helpful, right? <laughs> yeah. I always joke that there's only two times in life where insurance matters. One, if you have to prove it to get a job, right? You have to provide proof of insurance to walk the dog in the dog park. Or you know your client wants proof of insurance before you start working for them, right? And that's number one. And then number two is when you have a claim, right? <laughs> Otherwise, insurance is just peace of mind. Yeah. So you want to make sure you've got a good experience with proof of insurance and a good claims experience. Nobody wants to have a claim, but they want a good claims experience. And with Pet Sitters Associates, the insurance company that we work with has a dedicated claims group that works on these claims. So it's not just Joe Schmo claims adjuster. They understand our program. They understand what pet sitters do. You're not going to have to explain what you do for a daily basis. They already understand it all. And they really like work hard to make sure that they are covering the claims that they should cover and obviously denying the ones that they shouldn't. Um, they're going to be covered. That's just the way the world is. Uh, insurance policy can't cover absolutely everything, but we want to make sure that if we do have to deny a claim, we've explained it to you so you understand why and uh, you know, take the time to do that. It's very important. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's that time and that attention. That's, uh, that's that service that you need in those times of uncertainty. Thank Absolutely. you. Thank you again so much for coming on, Colleen. It's been a real pleasure. 
Thanks, Colin. Anytime. The importance of having a good, solid, robust, well-covered insurance policy for you and your business cannot go understated here. And regardless of where we get our insurance from, having quality insurance coverage that is covering the services that we provide, that has an agent that can walk us through particular scenarios and work with us and become a partner in helping us to run the best possible business, that peace of mind is absolutely priceless. So if you haven't looked at your insurance policy in a while, dig that thing out, blow off the dust, and flip through it, and make sure that it's still covering you the way you want to be covered. And if you don't currently have insurance, start calling around today. Get connected. Reach out to other pet sitters and see what they're using. See what kind of coverages they have. What's worked for them in the past? What are they hoping to change in the future? When we can look around us and assess the liabilities that we are exposed to and start protecting ourselves against those, we can run a more confident business and we can give better service to the people who we want to be serving. We want to thank our sponsors, Time to Pet and Pet Perennials for making this show possible. And thank you so much for listening. It truly means a lot for you to show up every week, for you to listen, for you to share our episodes. You can see our entire back catalog in whatever podcast app that you're listening to or head on over to PetsitterConfessional.com. We're on Facebook and Instagram at PetsitterConfessional. We'd love to hear from you. So send an email at feedback at PetsitterConfessional.com. Let us know what you're learning. Let us know what kind of insurance you have and if you've ever had to use it and what that was like. We'd love to share those kind of stories as well so others can get an idea of that process. So again, thank you so much for listening and we'll be back again soon. 